take your Bibles and let's go to 1 Samuel, the 18th chapter. 1 Samuel, the 18th chapter. Last week, Andrew and I went on a, we were invited to go down to Temple, Texas and to preach for some friends of ours. And we discovered that, uh, man, there's a, uh, there is, we went and preached, she preached three times, I preached three times on both of us on two different campuses in the church. And we were somewhat exhausted when we got exalted or exhausted. Uh, see how tired I was when I got finished? But anyway, we, uh, we went down and enjoyed our time down there, and, and uh, we're so glad to be home. Let's look here in 1 Samuel 18, and I want to minister a message to you, a verse that, that stood out to me. And I believe it uh, will make relevance and understanding to you in just a moment as we share. Let's go to the Lord once more and ask for his help. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this day. And, Lord, I just pray that revelation will come to each of our heart, that, Lord, we will discover the might and the power that we have in you. And, Lord, I just pray for the anointing, the empowering of your spirit to deliver your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at 1 Samuel 18. And what we find here is that David has just slew the giant, Goliath. And now they're heading home. And we're going to take up the story here. Israel has had a great victory. But notice here as we pick up the story in verse 6 of 1 Samuel 18. It says, now it happened as they were coming home. This is after the battle. When David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, being Goliath, that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry. The saying displeased him. And he said, they, are, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside the house. And so David played music with his hand. Notice that. So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear, and he said, I will pin David to the wall, but David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but it departed from Saul. Skip over now, if you will, in 1 Samuel 19 and verse 9. Notice something here. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in the house. And with his spear in his hand, and David was playing music with his hand. And then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear. But he slipped away from Saul's presence, and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. Now let's back up just a moment here before we get into the, into the meat of this message. Have you ever considered 
the miracle that took place in 1 Samuel 17. And the miracle I'm speaking of is not just the, the felling of a giant, the giant being knocked down by the stone of David. But have you ever considered the fact that David, being a teenage boy, was, what was placed in his hands was the fate of a nation? What was placed in David's hands was the reality that future generations would be following the Philistines if he were to fail. That's quite an accomplishment for a shepherd boy, which theologians believe he was either 14 or 17 years of age. Now, to me, that was a, that was a phenomenal miracle that took place. That he would be the one, as Saul told him, to go out there and face the giant. And he let the fate of a nation rest in the hands of a teenage boy. Now, how did that miracle or that opportunity come about? That's what we want to discuss. What brought David before Goliath uh, is the very issue we want to talk about here. But I want you to know that David would, from that day forward face a greater giant than that of Goliath, which we're going to talk about. We find out here that here is David, and he knew Saul before Goliath had ever stood out there in that valley. See, the greatest gift God has given us will also be the area that we have the greatest challenges in battles in giants that we will face as well. How did David come and before Saul be commissioned to go out and stand before Goliath? It was built upon that great gift God has given us. And that gift, church, is relationship. There was a relationship between David and Saul prior to that event of facing Goliath in the valley. The greatest gift, I will go as far to say, the greatest gift God has given us is relationship. Our relationship with him first and foremost. And through that relationship with him, all other relationships should flow. Now, I had a presbyter tell me, one of, my, one of the leaders that I respect years and years and years ago, he said, you know, as a young pastor, he said, Mike, any time that a church gets away from its governance, it falls into error. It falls into difficulty. The same is true for children of God. Any time and every time that you and I get away from the governance of this word, we will fall in, in error. We will fall in trouble. And it's not that we're not going to have difficulties in areas of relationship, but if we will return to the governance of God's word, we will discover that the Lord will enable us and empower us to do what we need to do. Now, I will say to you, the success of this church, the success of your family, the success of any organization will be dependent upon the relationships that are built within each one of those things that I just mentioned. Relationship. We don't put enough value, I believe, on relationship. We need to understand everything flows from relationship. Everything that I have today, to date, is a result of a relationship that I've had. Amen? 
Every time or everything that has been brought to me to flow through me is a result of relationship. We as the body of Christ, a family, an organization, you cannot grow faster than relationship. You can only grow as strong as we grow relationship. When there are weak relationships, there will be limited results. When there are strong relationships, let me tell you, there are limitless possibilities of what God can and he will do. Now, as we look here to the word of the Lord, we see that this great gift that God has given us is a gift of relationship. Prove it, preacher, by the word. Well, the word of the Lord tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe would not perish but have everlasting life. What was the Lord interested in? He wasn't interested in rituals. What he's interested in is relationship. He's not interested in religion. He is interested in relationship that you and I can have with one another. Amen? We find out that bad relationships leave us with bad behavior. Anytime there's a bad relationship that we come out of, it can form some bad behavior in us if we allow it. It'll cause us to become mistrusting, isolated, and guarded. But good relationships can cause good behavior. In fact, it'll cause us to trust, to live in a context of community, and to protect one another. I want you to see something as we look here. As we see, here is King Saul, and he's got something in his hand. Something there, some of you may think, well, yeah, that's, that's a walking stick. No, it's a walking stick if you've got a little stobber on the end, but if you take that stobber off, guess what? you got a spear. Get ready. I need somebody to run. Angel, I need to test my skills. <laughs> he, he's got a spear in his hand. But here's David. David's got something in his hand. He's got a, a kinar, as they would call it in the Middle East. Now, you may ask, how did you come across this authentic thing here? Well, I'd gone to Jerusalem, and when I went outside Jerusalem, I made my way down to Bethlehem, and I, I found an old sheepfold out there in a, in a barn, and in that barn, I found this, this kinar, this harp, if you will. How many believe that story? See, well, no. And let me tell you how this came about, actually. This came about because the Lord laid this message upon my heart a little while ago, and so I went on Amazon to order me a harp. <laughs> and, and this is, I misread the dimensions, and this is what came back. <laughs> Centimeters and inches are, are you know, you got to read those fine, that fine print, so... So I actually got out into the garage yesterday and took some old lumber and, and, and made this. And, of course, Jacob had to put his design input. And he said, oh, Dad, you got to have these pickups and you got to have these other things. And you need to make it functional. So that's how this came about. But if you look online, you'll see that it's not too, too far away from a original design, except you've had to have an amplification in order for, to hear this thing. But David had in his hand a harp. And now Saul had in his hand a spear. 
The Bible says that from the moment that Saul began to hear the praises in the songs of the ladies as he was coming in from the battle of the Philistines, that all of a sudden he began to eye David with jealousy and suspicion. He began to look at him with jealousy and suspicion. And see, Saul had his spear in his hand. When you start eyeing someone with jealousy and suspicion, if I start eyeing someone with jealousy and suspicion, the next obvious thing will be is to throw the spear at them. How many know how hard it is to build relationship with someone when spears are flying about? doesn't work, does it? But where did that begin? It began in Saul's heart. That word there, eyed in the King James, uh, New King James, uh, is a word that means jealousy and suspicion. And James tells us, see, in John 3, 16, we receive the greatest relationship we've ever had, and that's with Jesus Christ. But in James 3, 16, you find that, find out for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist. There is disorder and every evil thing. See, the relationship between David and Saul was good until James 3.16 kicked in. And now all of a sudden, jealousy and suspicion. We can't have a strong relationship if I'm always looking at you through the eyes of suspicion. You can't have a strong relationship with me if you're always looking at me with, uh, through the eyes uh, of jealousy and suspicion. The unfortunate reality is this. Saul had every opportunity David had, but he would not step out. See, it was he wanted the, re, the reward without the risk. David got out there and he took the risk. Thus he got the reward. Saul had the responsibilities, but he did not accept the, he, he had every bit of the rights, but he would not accept the responsibility of the position that he had. You can't have reward without risk. And thus, now something, something seething in Saul's heart. There was a spear in his heart long before there was ever one in his hand. Because he began to eye David with jealousy and suspicion. The root meaning of the word jealousy there is a feeling of resentment over someone's success. Suspicion, a feeling or thought that someone is likely, well, something is likely true. Let me say to some of those that are out there, suspicion is not a gift of the Spirit. There is the gift of discernment, discerning of other spirits. But let me tell you, suspicion is not a gift of the Spirit. When we find out that, that I there with jealousy, it literally means look at someone and look for iniquity, look for guilt, and look to punish that other person. Mm. Now, how many of you ever read stories and you automatically identify with the hero? You identify with the hero. 
David in the valley with the giant. We identify with David. Yes, we're going out there and we're facing the giants. Yes, we are going to defeat the giants. We are David. We are marching through. We see this story here and we think, oh, yeah, we're the ones with the harp. We are David holding the harp. We rarely ever associate ourselves with the villain because we don't want to admit such. And I think that is an inherited trait that God wants us to aspire to be better, to do better, and to act better. I do. But what we have to caution ourselves is the soul that's on the inside of me. I want to make sure that I'm not holding a spear in my hand and looking at someone with suspicious eyes, looking for them to fail, looking for them to falter so that I can pin them to the wall. Oh, what are we talking about now? Relationship. How am I going to build relationship if I've got this Come on and mess up. I'm just waiting. Say something wrong. Misinterpret some scripture. Find out. Let me just. I, I suspect preacher's got something going on. I suspect my neighbor's got something going on. I am operating in the gift of suspicion. I have my eye on everyone. How in the world am I going to build relationship? How in the world am I going to build a relationship as long as I have this? The sad thing is, is we don't see in Scripture where Saul ever repented. He didn't repent. In fact, at the end of his day, he fell upon his own sword as he is overtaken in battle. The Amalekite servant came back, and he must have still had the spear in his hand because the Amalekite servant came back, and he said, brought word to David, and he told David, he said, uh, he said, yeah, Saul was there, and he was near death, and I took his spear, and I drove it through him. But the truth was, is he was trying to take credit for the death of Saul that was not true. Saul fell upon his own sword and died because his armor bearer refused. But still, Saul went to his grave with his spear. He went to his grave with his spear. He would not build that relationship. We find out that if I'm throwing a spear, there's a source for my suspicion. There is a source. Every fear has a source. Every suspicion has a source. That source of his suspicion was not resting in David. The source of his suspicion was resting in his own insecurity. He looked through the eyes wanting to bring guilt upon David. He eyed him with jealousy because he wanted what David had, but he was unwilling to take the risk or the responsibility, and he wanted all of the rights. And he gave up being king over Israel, but he never gave up his spear. He held on to it. And I'm asking God, take the spear out of my heart and let me have in my hand. See, Saul had a spear in his hand, but David had the harp. Now, let me say to you, the difference and the distinction is this. David was worshiping the Lord, where Saul was looking to destroy David. And I cannot be a worshiper in one with one hand and be a spear chunker in the other. Worship requires both hands. 
Oh, worshiper is an all-in experience that we have with God. If I'm worshiping God, I don't have room to be throwing spears. So if I want to throw a spear at someone, because I'm looking at them through the eyes of suspicion, what I need to do is get back to worship and lay that spear down. Come on now. Come on now. If we're going to be worshipers of God, it's going to take all in. It takes both hands. We can't build relationships as long as we've got spears and we're throwing at each other. But what we find out is relationship. See, Saul's focus, Saul's focus was David. A worshiper, David's focus was God. David's focus was to say, Lord, I want what you want me to have, and I don't want any more. They said, Saul decided he couldn't defeat him, so he thought, well, I'm going to let the enemy defeat him. And go tell David in secret, go tell him that, hey, Saul's going to make you his son-in-law. Oh, let me tell you, it was not Saul's intent to make him his son-in-law. He said, I want you to go out and I want you to, he said, if you will go out and slay a hundred Philistines and bring back their foreskins, then you can become Saul's son-in-law. He'll give you his daughter. You know what David did? David said, who am I to aspire to such a position that I should be called the son-in-law of the king? No. What did he do? He went out and he didn't slay a hundred Philistines. He slayed 200. Could you imagine the look on Saul's face? Oh my Lord, what in the world are we going to do? Now Saul is out to kill him. Just a little side note. You're not going to be able to build a relationship if you're always looking to kill somebody. I don't want to kill anybody. I just wish they were dead. It's the same difference. And let me say something to you. Don't take everything personally. Jonathan went on defense of David, and we find out a couple chapters after we just read, you know what happened when he went to his father and he said on David's defense, why do you want to kill him? And the Bible tells us that Saul picked up the spear and he threw it at his son, Jonathan. If the person has a spear-chunking mentality in their heart, they're going to throw spears, not just the one they're aiming for, they're going to throw spears at other people. There's a reason why you step on the workplace and that coworker doesn't like you because you're a Christian because somewhere along the way they've had an experience and a relationship that went south or went bad and now they're throwing spears at you but ultimately they're trying to kill what is on the inside of them and what they're trying to harm and hurt is the person that hurt them. Hurting people hurt people. But healed people heal people. 
Oh, God, take the spear out of my heart. David had his focus, or Saul had his focus on David, but David had his focus on the Lord. Oh, God, I will worship you morning, noon, and night. I will bow before the throne of grace. I will magnify the name of the Lord God because he is worthy. He is worthy. Lord God, you open the doors and you shut the doors. Oh, Lord God, I have what I have because of my relationship with you. I will be who I am in you because you love me. Not even aware of the fact that Saul was seething with that spear in his hand waiting to nail him to the wall. If you don't like me, please don't tell me. Just keep it to yourself till you get over it. Because I love you. <laughs> don't be putting your, don't be throwing spears. Let's just get before the throne of grace. We only have one enemy. That enemy is Satan, prince of powers and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. You know what I genuinely want from you and every person in this city? I don't care their social standing. I don't care if they have the biggest house in town or no house at all. I want them to come to the house of the Lord. I want them to receive the word of God. I want them to be transformed by the glory and the presence of the Lord. How is that possible? Because as much as I'm able, every time I feel a spear rising in my heart in suspicion, I, I go back to God and I say, Lord, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. King Saul, his confidence, get this, his confidence is in how he appeared to others. David's confidence was in how he appeared to God. Saul's confidence was an external confidence trying to work its way in. Whereas David's confidence as a worshiper came from his inside out. You can't fix your heart from the outside in. It has to be from the inside out. It's an inside job. It must be because... Someone is working, and that someone being the Lord on the inside of your heart. If you've come into this house today, and maybe you have some strong relationships in your life, let me tell you, God wants to create some even stronger relationships around you. But you've got to open yourself up to those relationships. And you can't build relationships if you're living in insecurity. And trust me, we all know what insecurity feels like. We know what all insecurity. Insecurity is walling ourselves up, trying to protect ourselves, trying to keep from getting hurt again because we don't know if we can handle the pain once more. And so we wall everybody out. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. When I've got the spirit of suspicion, I am hard bring offense against someone else what I have to do is say oh God you're bigger than all of that Lord you're bigger than the brokenness you're bigger than the pain you're bigger than the regret you're bigger than the grief you're bigger than the loss oh God I will worship you and you alone I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me without him I can do nothing oh my God there is no weapon formed against me that's ever going to prosper oh a thousand shall fall in my side and ten thousand in my right hand but oh my God it will not come nigh me Lord only with my eyes shall I see the reward of the wicked. See, Saul had the spear in his hand because he was trying to find security in his position instead of finding security in God. Saul protected himself 
with his position. He tried to hold on to his position and protect himself with that position. But David protected himself in obedience. See, whenever you need a position and you're trying to hold on to that position and you're trying to do it because that's what's your protection, your accomplishments, let me tell you, it's not going to protect you. But what will protect you is obeying the Word of God. If you'll obey the Word of God and the perfect will of God is the safest place you can be in all of heaven and all of earth, the safest place you can be in is obedience to the known will of God. And if you walk in obedience, you don't have to make any excuses. You don't have to make any excuses for anything around you because what you ultimately know is that your heart is right with God. And you're walking in obedience. And there's a confidence that's waiting upon you. If you will walk where God wants you to walk, I believe with all of my heart, God wants this church to have healthy, strong, lasting, enduring relationships, first and foremost with him. And once we establish that relationship of intimacy with God, now we have a relationship with one another. And there's no devil in hell that can stand against the church of the living God. We may They know who they are in Christ. Let me just say publicly, if I have offended you, my sincere apology for my offense. If you've offended me, I forgot about it. My wife and I, she is the apologetics queen. She could have been a a lawyer arguing cases. She can can give angles of a story and a situation like nobody I've ever seen. That's not my gift. In fact, I don't like to argue at all because I forget about what we're talking about. Early on in our relationship, we would engage in discussions, and before it was over with, I had plumb forgot about what we were talking about. I said, wait a minute. Now, why am I mad? I have forgotten. So let me just say to you, if I was ever mad, I've already forgotten about why I was mad. I'm being a little facetious, but I'm saying it to you today. It's time to put the spear down. It's time to pick up the harp. It's time to lay the spears down and pick up the harps. Be a worshiper of God. Be all in. If you're going to do something, just go all in. If you're going to be a child of the living God, go all in. There's too much to be had to leave it laying on the table. It's time that we saddle up to the table and we feast. Time that we enjoy the glory and the blessing and the promises of God and build what God has given us in that relationship. I'm going to close with this. Oh, look at that, 12 noon. Time to eat. There was a relationship that I nearly lost out on. And I've shared this before, but I'll share it in closing. There was a man that I was 
called to serve. I didn't know that I liked the man. He was peculiar. I was his associate pastor, and I just did not know if he had more than one screw loose. And he was different than anybody I'd ever seen. He was, it was bizarre, his behavior. We'd go in, and guy would run across the top of the pews. He ran across the top of the pews one day, and he fell. I thought, if you fall, run across the top of the pews, I can't be God. <laughs> of course, it could have been. I don't know. <laughs> It was just strange. But I noticed something, Pastor Angel. God honored him, and I wanted to know why. So I started watching him, and I went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, what do you want to do with this strange man you've called me to to sit under? He said, I want you to serve him. I want you to serve him. Follow him and serve him. And you know what I found out? That he was saved. (laughs) And to date, he is one of the most Christ-like people I've ever met in all of my life. This man became my surrogate spiritual father. This man is my best friend and has been for more than 25 years. And it all came as a result of a relationship that I wanted to forego and close off and keep my suspicion alive. Look for reasons why I shouldn't serve him. But instead, God used his word, his spirit, my relationship with him to forge one of the greatest relationships in my life that has afforded me more and more. I'm in ministry today because of this man. I love him more than a brother. I love him like a father. I'm saying to someone today, you may have an opportunity that you're missing out on. Now, you can't have a relationship if someone's throwing spears at you. I understand that. But let me tell you, you can't have a relationship with someone if you're the one holding the spear. It's time to lay the spears down Pick up the harps. Worship requires both hands. Worship requires all in. And if I'm living in suspicion, then ultimately, let's be honest, I'm not worshiping. Let's get back to worship.